great offers and a great podcast? What a day. Thank you, sponsors. We appreciate it. This is an ICRT podcast. We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. And I'm joined in the studio this evening by Xiao Xin Chung. Hey, good to see you again. And from Taijong by Donovan Smith. And great to be back. And we'll be jumping straight in this week with, of course, tomorrow's elections. And we'll be taking a look at some of the issues pertaining to said ballots. Now, I'll begin with basically how are voters looking at these elections and how are voters looking at the parties they could vote for? So, Xiao, do you think it's it's safe to say that voters are looking at incumbent party or candidates' track records? as their main issue, who to vote for, and basically viewing the central government's performance comes a distant third there. Well, definitely the track record is uh, is a very important thing for the voter to be looking at. But uh, if you can see in this election, there are a lot of uh, new people running, especially uh, uh, the third party who has a lot of young folks uh, who will be running for the first time. So in that case, uh, people would will most often judge their characters and see what they say and see the policy they propose. So yeah, but but for the incumbents, uh, they're facing a lot of challenges uh, left and right, both from the, the third parties and maybe from uh, more senior incumbents. So their track record will always be closely examined. And what about the central government? Not, people aren't looking at the it's not It's not a plebiscite on the central government because, of course, many people mistakenly, as far as I'm concerned, refer it to as a midterm election. Well, yeah, it does feel like a midterm, like in the U.S., right? Um, well, in, in this uh, kind of elections, the the, income, uh, the the central governments will always be the, uh, the the scapegoat, so so to speak, when people are talking about certain issues. And one major case would be the uh, the pandemic. So the central government's handling of the pandemic is a very very uh, hot topic in these local elections, especially in Taipei, as being the main uh, pandemic commander uh, Chen Shizhong is running for mayor of city of Taipei. So yeah, and th- that. There carries a lot of weight or burden of uh, all his role in in this during this pandemic uh, battles. Uh, whatever decisions that he made, whatever uh, speeches he gave, has been very closely examined. So yeah, in that case, the central government's role it, it will reflect a very uh, very closely in, in the results of the election. And Donovan, of course, you're in Taichung, where Chen Shijong is not running. So are, are voters there looking at the coronavirus pandemic? Or are they looking at more sort of economic development and infrastructure issues? Yeah, I, I mean, as Xiao just noted, really the, the, the issue of the central government, uh, and particularly the pandemic response, has really been a Taipei issue. Um, because, of course, you know, Chen Shijong was the, the head of the CECC. Um, but what's interesting about this election cycle, about, you know, with voters and the central government, is that you could say that the 2014 election cycle uh, was a big reaction against the central government. I think that played a big role in that pan-green wave that swept in 2014. And discontent with the central government, I think, played a role in the pan-blue wave in 2018. This time around, I don't think that it's playing that much of a role outside of Taipei. The president's approval is pretty high, considering, especially considering she's, you know, in her sixth year in office, and it's much higher than it was uh, at the, in 2018 at this point in the election. So I think this time, and if you look really at 
where the candidates have been targeting their attacks. It hasn't, it's been, in this particular election cycle, attacks on the central government have been pretty muted, comparatively speaking. Yeah, um, another issue would be uh, the, the, the China factor, right? Because if you look at the central government, uh, most like most Taiwanese people care the single hot topic issue would be how the attitude toward China. But in 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 local elections, just like uh, Donovan referred to, um, people you know voters tend to care less about the, the China factor, especially in this year. Um, aside from Xi, Xi Jinping being elected to a third term, uh, there's not the major issues like in 2020 where the the Hong Kong and the the Tibet issues uh, carrying a lot of weight in Taiwanese voters' minds. So this year, um, the the central government's uh, role in in that aspect is relatively muted. And Xiao, I mean, obviously, e- economic development and infrastructure are two of the major things that people are looking at for, to vote for their city and county heads. I mean, in the build-up to the election, and as we're on election eve, what what economic development policies and what infrastructure policies have struck you from certain candidates? Well, I can most yeah, I can speak uh, more closely to, in, in terms of a Taipei city's election, uh, both because I, I actually ran in eighteen and and this year uh, I pay close attention to the three uh, city candidates in Taipei, and, and it struck me that um, the economic issues very closely only con- concentrated on a few areas, and one of which would be, uh, for example, the the, the city uh, update, uh, the the building update, you know, the ordinance. Is how people care about where if they live in old buildings, what kind of regulations and what kind of subsidies they can get from government uh, in order to update or maybe build a new building. So this is very very local issues. And another topic that that is closely debated would be the uh, the, the city's investment into uh, like a, a, like startups and technology parks and like uh, digital companies uh, because it kind of spur a lot of uh, growth in, in, you know, like uh, youth employments and also like a technology advancement in the city. So that kind of issues has been debated very closely among the candidates. And I see that voters actually pay a lot of co- a close attention to that area. And in, Don- in Taichung, Donovan, I mean, what have they been looking at? I mean, obviously, pollution is one issue, but also we've got, you've got infrastructure. Yeah, um, of course, uh, you know, that's a major issue. Um, it, particularly, most of the heat in the, on the infrastructure side has been on the uh, MRT Blue Line, which has yet to break ground. Um, the uh, Tsai Chi Chang's camp has been accusing uh, the uh, Lu Xiuyen, uh, uh, sorry, the Lu Xiuyen administration of, of delaying or not being you know, or being unable to move this project forward as said, you know, at a speedy enough pace. Um, now, to a certain degree, that, that is true in the sense that the Luton administration made some changes to the proposed route, uh, which did cause some delays if they have to do feasibility and environmental studies and so on and so forth when they make changes. But on the other hand, a lot of the reasons why things are slowed down has to do with central government uh, as as well, so it's not entirely uh, her administration. Um, Tsai is uh, saying that if he becomes mayor, uh, the ground would be broken on the uh, blue on the blue line during his first term in office. Uh, Liu, I believe, is saying something similar. Yeah, I mean, in, 
in Taipei, the more and more issues that people care about is、uh, whether the candidates will be ready to serve on day one. Because if you look at、um, the candidates,、uh, Jiang Wanlan is a legislator. Uh, Chen Shizhong is definitely the、uh, minister in the central government,、uh, and Huan Shanshan is the uh, uh, or previous、uh, former city councillor and serves as、uh, a vice mayor for Taipei City. So both of them are, are, are vying for the spot and being touting their experience、uh, and their expertise in different areas. So in terms of character, I think that that is a very important thing, especially if you want to be elected as a mayor of Taiwan's capital.、Uh, that is. Very important、uh, judgment for for the for the voter to be to be judging on. So、uh, in in terms of that, so besides the policies, you know, in Taipei, people are still very closely watching where the characters, how they interact with each other and with voters, and their the track history as well. And of course, Xiao, this year we have the question of third party candidates. Of course, we talked about、mm-hmm. Taipei there with Vivian Huang. I mean. Do you think that basically these third-party candidates could change the dynamic? Because we also have one in Shenzhou, of course, another, another Taiwan People's Party candidate. Yes,、uh, so Taiwan People's Party candidate. There's, there's been several、uh, over five in, in this, this year's uh, uh, mayor elections,、um, and they are doing surprisingly well, especially in, in Taipei and Shenzhou.、Um, and it actually speaks to the fact that、uh, in this year's election, there may be a swing towards the Penbluk、uh, direction. But because of、uh, this year, the, the third party, uh, uh, Taipei's uh, uh, Taiwan's People's First Party, is being viewed as、uh, as, as in belongs to the Pan Blue camp. So that's why,、uh, even though there's a big swing,、uh, the Kuomintang KMT does not necessarily get the the blunt of that swing.、Um, that's why the, the, in several cities, the the, the third party candidates is doing surprisingly well. And another fact is that.、Uh, In this year, the third party is not only just one party. So there's a、uh, Taiwan's People's First Party, and there's a New Power Party, my my former party, and also some、uh, independent candidates.、Uh, some of them are previous belonging to New Power Party, but who have since resigned, and they carry a lot of、uh, weight、uh, and they carry a lot of、uh, influence as well. Being many of them being the、uh, the current incumbent、uh, city council members of Taipei or other city councils. So、uh, it's very very.、Um, Very, very vibrant, and very you know, it's very hard to see what's going to turn out. And Donovan, what are you viewing of these third-party candidates? Of course, you've got a third candidate in Taichung, but you wouldn't really call her a third-party candidate there. Yeah, there, there. It, basically,、uh, she hasn't really made much of an impact.、Um, there's not a lot going.、Um, yeah, there's there's been very little attention、uh, on on that candidate.、Oh. So. Um, the ones that I'm really watching are, you know, as、uh, as Joe noted, is of course、uh, Vivian Huang in Taipei and and Gao、um, Gao Hongan in、uh, Shenzhou City.、Um, now, Vivian Huang, in her case, what's interesting is that she's, and I paid very close attention to the numbers. I, I had expected that she was going to draw more support from the Pan Blue side, which would hurt Jiang Wanan's.、Uh, Chances in this election, but it actually turned out she was drawing support roughly equally, or even slightly more, from the Pan Green side, which I found very interesting. That was a bit of a surprise. Now I think she has got a decent chance、um, of winning because I think on the upside she has the best chance of the three to win over、uh, undecided voters.、Um, but 
Uh, I think overall in that race, John Wanan, because the KMT has such a strong get-out-the-vote machine, I think he's got the best chance of the three. But the fact of the matter is, all three candidates, including Chen Shih-jung, I mean, there's 12 total, but of those three, I think all three of them have a decent shot at winning. Um, I'm giving the edge slightly to Jiang Wanan, but I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if either of the other two won. The one whose vote I think is going to be the most variable and unpredictable will be Vivian Huang's. Um, she's the one, because she doesn't have a, a natural party base. So I think that that's going to be very interesting. Now, uh, over to Ang Gao in Shinju, she's, uh, there's all kinds of scandals have been plaguing her. And, you know, she's got a, a open prosecution going on on her. But her support has seemed to be holding up, you know, in spite of all of that. She's very popular with young voters. And um, Terry Go, or Guo Taiming, uh, is a supporter of hers. And so she is fairly well positioned. Now, the KMT candidates uh, uh, appeared to be losing a lot of momentum toward the end. And there's a lot of talk of, the, of what they call Chibao voting, which is strategic voting, where KMT supporters, seeing that their candidate is probably not going to win, shift their vote over to the TPP's Gao because they want to hold off the hated DPP because, of course, the KMT does not want to see the, the DPP win uh, over anything else. So there, this may be a factor that will give uh, Ang Gao a leg up. On the other hand, I think that the DPP Shun has a good chance at getting some undecided voters. But overall, I'm, I, I'm leaning toward... It, it, it's still, I think, a, a very competitive race for the DPP, and they have a shot at it. But if she can peel off enough voters from the KMT, I think that Ang Gao has, has the advantage. So, shout strategic voting, Xiao. Do you think it will be a factor? Oh, it's definitely a factor. And, and I totally agree with uh, Donovan's assessment, especially in Taipei. Um, uh, Vivian Huang or Huang Shan Shan, I, I, I knew her, I know her very well because we both ran in, in Neihu, a Taipei City Council member in, back in, back in 2018. Um, and people like her, especially many of the independent or young voters like her, uh, many because she is independent. She, she, although she ran with the TPP's, uh, candidates, but she is officially an independent uh, candidate. So I think in Taipei, um, since the two turns of Coenger's administration, um, Taipei people has been used to, you know, um, you know, independent mayor so not not blue or not green um although it can be said that Cohen has been moving toward the green side over the years but 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 not so i mean vivian huang has been very um she used to be uh the uh uh so it's a green uh, orange party so it's neither she has been neither green or blue for a long long time and she also ran as a dpp's candidate back in 2016 um to to to, to battle uh a kmt's uh a candidate in the legislators' election, so Huang Sanshan, uh, Vivian Huang has been uh, a real 
um, independent, and that that really draws a lot of support because Taipei people, especially young voters, they are tired of the bickering. Uh, Simply because of a color, because of green or blue, so that that that's in in Taipei City, and and as you talk about the strategic voting, I, I don't think it's gonna. It only happens when uh, one of the candidates is very weak, so people would you know cheap out, will, 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 will ditch one and then vote for another. But in Taipei, it's not the case. Just like Donovan said, three of them got a very good shot at, at, at the mayorship. Um, and in Shinju, I also agree with Donovan. I mean. A TPP's cow has got a real strong chance, um, but in the past few months, her chance has been uh, decreased because of this uh, the scandal that she got involved in to be uh, with the 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 fees that 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 she pay her you know the staff in 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 Congress in in the Parliament. So I mean, but without that, I mean, she's got a real really strong case. And Xiao, what about the lesser and smaller parties? Of course, traditionally they focus on social inequality type of issues, yeah? But of course, there's been one this year that's made the headlines because it's a Mahjong party. <laughs> I really haven't paid much attention to the Mahjong party, but there's many, many parties. I, I've, I've been familiar with the, the, the Animal Protection Party, uh, who actually have a Taipei City mayor candidate. Uh, it's not a, a lot of uh, different parties. That, that's single-issue parties. Um, and some of them are doing surprisingly well in this year's election as well. And of course, Donovan, have you heard of the... It's called the, the Mahjong and the Mahjong Greatest Party. Yeah, they're Kaohsiung-based, um, and I know what their single issue is, but I, I must admit I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, I don't think they're going to do terribly well in this election, so I'm not, not following them too closely. And Donovan, what do you reckon about the campaign? Has it been a clean campaigning season, or has there been more muckraking than in previous local elections? It's been a brutal series of campaigns. Um, I, I think the, the muckraking is as bad or worse than ever the, this cycle. Um, partly because they're not directing their attacks at the central government, they're, so they're f- focusing more on attacking each other. And, you know, for example, in the Taipei race, it's kind of, I, I couldn't tell you who is the, the worst. They, all three of them have been pretty brutal uh, towards each other. Now, one thing that was that's really unusual in this uh, cycle, the first time we, we saw this was actually in the Kaohsiung by-election uh, when the KMT candidate, Jane Lee, when she was, uh, when it came out that she plagiarized her master's degree. But in this election cycle, um, accusations of plagiarism have really kind of upset a lot of the um, uh, the political calculus. Uh, obviously, and this really damaged the DPP more than anyone. Um, coming into this election, the DPP looked very strong in Shinju and Taoyuan, and that is because uh, Lin, Lin Zhijian, who was the Shinju mayor but was term limited out, was brought into their brought in is as a candidate for Taoyuan. Now he was considered a rising star uh, in the party, fairly popular. And he got hit with two uh, plagiarism accusations for two of his degrees. And the, he kept insisting he was innocent. And uh, party chair Tsai Ing-wen and the party stood behind him, in spite of it looking worse and worse for Lin as more and more details came out. And then finally, when both uh, universities 
found him guilty of plagiarism and stripped him of his degrees, he had to bow out of the race. It didn't help that also there was a, a big scandal related to when he was mayor of Shinju, there was a botched renovation job at the baseball stadium there, which was a colossal failure. So that meant that in uh, Shinju and Taoyuan, which were very important races for, for the DPP, and they probably would have held fairly easily if this hadn't happened, now face very competitive races in both um, and could quite, quite possibly lose both, which sets up the possibility that the DPP's results this time around could be even worse than in 2018, although they might pick up Penghu. Um, yeah, there's a joke going around that if you want people to study your thesis, then uh, run for elections in Taiwan. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because this campaign season is just crazy. It's just uh, allegation after one after another about people's uh, master's thesis or PhD thesis. And it, it is it's absurd. I mean, I, it all started well, back back when, you know, People attacked in Tsai Ing-wen's uh, thesis in in her uh, PhD degree. I, I I think it carried on to this year when, just like Donovan said, they start focusing on Lin Zhijian's uh, thesis. Well, granted, it turned it out. Uh, it it turned out uh, well. The the universities turned out, you know, uh, declining her his degrees, uh, canceling his degrees, both of them. But it just went crazy from there. Like every candidate have have to have their degrees examined, uh, compared with uh, any. Uh, plagiarism allegations well i mean a lot of voters especially in, in my circle we, we we just got a little bit tired of that because um well we, we care about you know their degrees to some to some degree but we, we care more about the, the policies the, the characters so it, it is really just like donovan says they are fighting in the mud and then it, it really not to the voters benefit do you think this will continue though shao do you think when next time when there's a national election politicians, would-be politicians, hopeful politicians, will have all their academia history just scrutinised by everybody. Well, it's definitely a given now. If you are, if you, um, if you want to run for office, you need to look very closely at your your thesis, your your degrees, and everything uh, related to your academia, and how also how you pay your your staff in in your office, whether it's a public office or private office. So well, it, it has been like that in the past few decades. If you want to run for you know public office, but this year it just turned out to be extremely brutal, like Donovan said. Because of that, a lot of policy got sidelined, so people don't talk uh, enough about you know how to you know raise a child in Taipei City where there's not enough space in public uh, kindergartens, and so issues like that really carries out away in in local uh, mom and pops minds that they don't get enough you know space in 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 the discourse. So to that, I think it's really it serves a disadvantage. And Donovan, do you think it serves a disadvantage because there's not enough talk about policy? It's all about you plagiarize your degree. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, Xiao's comments. I think he completely nailed it. Um, it's a distraction from, um, you know, important issues. Um, I mean, it does speak to character, and I think that's why a lot of people consider it kind of a legitimate thing. Um, and so, I mean, I suppose there, there is a purpose and a value in, in scrutinizing these degrees, but they're spending so much energy and effort on those attacks that, as Xiao very rightly noted, it's taking away from issues um, that I think are far more substantive and important. 
So I, I, I you know, I, I suppose, again, it does speak to character, but it would be, I think, far better if it didn't take up quite as much oxygen out of the, out of the uh, discussion. And we have to take a short break now here on Taiwan This Week, but we shall return after these rather important commercials. Welcome back to Taiwan This Week, and we'll stay with election news, and that being, of course, election shenanigans, illegal shenanigans. And prosecutors this week said that some 3,000 alleged acts of vote-buying have been investigated since campaigning began, and that's resulted in the indictments of 119 people in 140 cases to date, and 65 of those people remain in custody. Now, some of the headline-making cases alone this week, well, one in Taipei, where prosecutors on Thursday announced raids on the homes and offices of three people in connection with an investigation into alleged vote buying using funding from China. Now, the raids were carried out under the provisions of the Anti-Infiltration Act, which went into effect in January of 2020. Now, according to prosecutors... They're the first raids to have been carried out with warrants issued based on the act on the grounds that the suspects were engaged in vote buying at the behest of Chinese backers. Now, another case that was made news this week, and a rather odd case indeed, that being when the Taichung District Prosecutor's Office said that it's investigating a candidate running for district council for allegedly using meat from a protected Formosan Sirao to buy votes. So, Xiao, of course, we've got Chinese funding and, and meat... <laughs> being used to buy votes. Yeah, it's a, it can be a lot of variety of ways. Uh, if you want to buy vote, you can you can buy people dinner, you can buy them presents, you can you know swap gifts. Um, it, it's becoming very creative, and I really um, I, I really appreciate you know the the this is very first warrant being issued under said law um, uh, for anti infiltration, uh, which just passed two years ago. Um, people, a lot of legislators work on that law, um, and it came out because of. Uh, a study, uh, several studies on the 2020 election where uh, we found a lot of Chinese influence both on the uh, internet bots also and also like a uh, money is buying um, agencies to spread around disinformations. Uh, so people really, really uh, need to look into uh, when there's a disinformation or when there's a vote buying campaign or what's the money behind that, where the source of that money is. So uh, ever since the passage of that law, we we have such a weapon to combat such a uh, uh, the unfair uh, advantage of uh, you know the so-called deep blue candidates who have sourced uh, funding from overseas. So that 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 is really something that we're really glad, glad about. Could, could argue that some deep green candidates also seek funding from overseas because, of course, certain members or aspects of the green camp do live in America, of course. Oh yes, I mean definitely. If you uh, if allege that the source from uh, America would um, was overseas, that that's for sure. For sure. But if those uh, sources are from um, Taiwanese, uh, um, you know, personal funds, uh, that 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 may not be the case of uh, uh, like, you know election interference by a. Uh, by an active state, so I think that that anti-infiltration law is more like combating a, a foreign actor, a foreign state that's uh, spearheading funds in order to influence Taiwan's elections. And Donovan, Sirao meet for votes. 
Uh, yeah, it sounds tasty, but probably <laughs> not good. That, that actually occurred in the Heping district of Taichung. Um, and the Heping district is very mountainous and has a high indigenous population. And it, so there's a lot of people in that district um, who probably would have appreciated that and might consider it more of a traditional gift rather than vote buying in their minds at least um but yeah it's um it's un- it's an unusual one to hear isn't it and of course Donovan, of course the police and the authorities have been warning voters for several months now to be on the lookout for vote buying and irregularities yes now th- this is interesting because when i first came to taiwan uh, my second year here i was in living in Zhanghua county in hemei and I worked for some KMT factional politicians. And one day I came back to, I came, you know, I came to work, and there was giant piles of cash on, on the counter uh, at the Bushy Bond where I worked. And I, you know, so I, I, I joked, oh, is that for me? Because I had no idea what, why they had so much cash there on the counter. And they looked at me and said, oh, no, 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 this is for vote buying. And there, there was no sense of, you know, shame or embarrassment about it. It was just stating a fact. Now, you know, so up through the 90s, it was just considered normal. Um, but, you know, in the 2000s and 2010s, they've been cracking down significantly. So it's actually hard to do now, especially considering, you know, all the, uh, you know, all the mobile phone cameras and, and all that. So, you know, I think that, it's not a huge problem any longer. Um, and a lot of the cases, if you actually look at a lot of the cases, there are, it's some, they often are a little bit murky as to whether or not they, they qualify as uh, vote buying. Now, the cutoff is candidates are allowed to give up to 30 NT gifts. So that's why you see these little things like, you know, uh, tissue packs and face masks and, you know, those sorts of little gifts. But then you get cases like in Nanto County, where the outgoing county commissioner, Lim Min-san, he held an event and gave out items worth a few hundred and tea and food and stuff. Um, and he said that this was an event because he's term limited out sort of a, a goodbye event, but he only invi- he invited KMT ca- candidates for office and didn't invite any of the DPP candidates for office to the event. And, you know, so things were given away there. So does that count as uh, vote buying or not? I mean, obviously the authorities will decide, but there was, that was one example that was, a, uh, you know, made the news recently. And there's a lot of cases like that where they're trying to get around uh, the laws. But overall, compared to, say, the 90s, it is far, 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 far less prevalent than it once was. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard, also heard a lot of anecdotes about vote buying, but uh, it's true that back in, you know, 20, 20 30 years ago, uh, Taiwanese people are pretty used to, you know, being given money for for votes, so my elders uh, in in the village in in Zhanghua, they they all seen that they probably they have all taken uh, sometimes money from from time to time. Um, and I also heard uh, a friend who is running in Nanto's uh, local elections this year uh, on the side of uh, DPP. Um, but 
her family is uh, upset with her because because she's running um um that that, that you know that decreases the chance of their <laughs> her family getting uh, monies from <laughs> from the other camp. So they are pretty upset with her. So I heard everybody heard any those like this, but but because you know like. Donovan said because technology, the cell phones, and also the uh, the prosecutors being active, you know, prosecuting cases like this, we we've seen less and less case uh, of vote buying, um, or they've gone very very low key and creative. So just like Donovan said, they use a lot of different ways, whether it's a banquet, a feast, or some kind of a, a gift with an unknown value. Um, so they 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 have their way of getting around that. But uh, but in the end, I mean, Taiwan's Democracy is is moving in a direction that that is uh, uh, that is healthier, healthier, healthier. Um, so and people are more aware that it's it's not it's not legal and it's not it's not right to accept money from candidates. And what, what did you give away any gifts when you ran last time? Did you give away tissues? Uh, definitely, tissue is a must. So everybody loves tissue. You you will never get refused when you give out a pack of uh, tissue. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very very uh, important way to uh, to 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 you know to, to get people to know your names. Um, but just like Donovan said, there, there's a legal limit. So it's thirty dollars. So when we try to find the, uh, the items to give out, we very carefully study its uh, value, its uh, uh, perceived value, actual value, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's legal line there. Everybody's pretty uh, careful to to tote around. Um, but but yeah, that, that's what we have to contend with when we run in elections. And moving away from Taiwan now, but staying with elections. Now, I spoke with Hong Kong-based Greater China reporter Ralph Jennings this week about how the local elections here are being seen. Well, there. So, Ralph, I mean, how is Beijing viewing the local elections here? Well, as you could probably imagine, Beijing hasn't said anything officially about the elections. I've just before this call, I checked on the uh, Taiwan Affairs Office website, Xinhua News, and the outlets that would have public statements, and I didn't see anything at all. As we all know, these elections are local only, and they don't have any direct effect on cross-state relations, so perhaps... China's just waiting, and it doesn't have to say anything, therefore it won't. Right. But do you think that in secretly Beijing would like the DPP to lose big time? I, I think they would. They, they've not said that. They, would, they need to try to work with whoever gets at any level so they won't condemn a particular party. But privately, yes, they would hope the DPP would lose. That being said, I don't know if they're so ecstatic about today's KMT like they used to be under my angel or any of the, the other parties that have come up in, in the past few years. Is the election getting any traction in the local press in Hong Kong and China? No, not as far as I can see. Uh, you do see stories pretty straightly reported just saying the elections are coming up on Saturday and here's what's at stake. We have mayors and magistrates and other local seats and here are the parties and here are the people. But we don't see that much else. Once in a while, you might catch a glimpse of a story saying that the uh, the question of Taiwan and China has become a an election issue of sorts. But then that's all you really hear about it in terms of the China. Right. What about members of the public there? Members of the public really highly respect Taiwan in Hong Kong, um, kind of what it is, what it stands for, in in, in all the ways you might imagine. Um, but then again, because these are local elections, 
there's not that much attention. Everybody pretty much knows that Taiwan will be in power in a couple of years. The presidential race comes up in January of 2024, if I remember right. And there's nothing to get too excited about just yet. So general opinion with the public, the government in Beijing and yourself is you don't think the results of these elections will have any bearing at all on cross-strait ties in the coming couple of years? I think they will, but indirectly, and I'll try to explain that. So whichever party gets most of the mayoral and magistrate positions will have more exposure, a little bit more money, and that translates into momentum ahead of legislative and presidential race coming up in 2024. So they can use that to build up a campaign that will affect the presidential race. And China knows that on some level. And I think, obviously, the people in Taiwan know that. So as many of us in the media have reported in the past, these local elections are a starting point, something that could grow into the presidential race. Right. And, of course, there's been talk about China using its influence to sort of benefit certain political parties in local elections here. And the foreign minister here earlier this week said Taipei has seen less attempts to manipulate the elections this year than in previous years. I would imagine that would be correct. These attempts are pretty easy to figure out because of the Internet and because Taiwanese are used to them. So, And I don't think Beijing wants to be to go on record as influencing them. They want to be able to work with whatever party gets elected if they can, but we don't really have a a dialogue mechanism or a backdrop for it. And I don't think China, in spite of what you might hear and read, I don't think they have a a super plan. Like, they don't, they're going to do this tomorrow and that the next day. Therefore, they're not going to go on record as hurting somebody in order to help somebody else. You never know who might get elected. That was me in conversation with Hong Kong-based Greater China reporter Ralph Jennings. And before we go this week, Taiwan's king of protests, Ker Sir died this week. Now, Ker was a well-known character due to his numerous placard protests in the late 1990s and early 2000s. He was infamous for showing up at the scene of news events with protest placards and positioning himself behind people who were speaking on camera during television news reports. Now, his protests mainly focused on fighting for the rights of stray dogs during the Taipei mayoral tenures of Chen Shui-bian and Ma Ying-jeou. But he did himself run for mayor of Taipei in 2006, receiving 3,687 votes. Now, while that's a pretty low number, it was enough to beat out political pundit Clara Zhou, who was running for the Taiwan Solidarity Union Party at the time. He also ran for Hualien County Magistrate in 2014, finishing third in a six-candidate race. Now, he was later diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and involved in numerous family inheritance disputes. And his, well, he sadly died in his van in Yangminshan National Park in Taipei. So, of course, Xiao, cursor high, a character. Definitely, definitely character. Every every Taiwanese with uh, probably 30 or above remembers him fondly. Because uh, when we were uh, when we were young, when we watch TV news, uh, you cannot miss him. He will be in every clip uh, having his placards. Um and it also develops to such a degree that uh, when you see news reporters interview somebody without Kurtzhai, you you realize that there's somebody probably not very important. That's why Kurtzhai did not even <laughs> bother to show up. That's how, uh, how 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 much a character he is. Yeah, one thing I love about Taiwan is that there's a lot of just interesting characters um, that you know. 
appear around elections and protests and you know and you get uh, candidates who are quirky and offbeat you know and like for example that mahjong party the perennial Tainan mayoral candidate who has these big crazy friday parties and you know there's just a lot of a unique interesting and fun uh characters that that are involved in taiwan politics and you know it's it's really a shame to lose lose a guy like that because they really add a lot of character and color to taiwan's democracy but Xiao, of course where was his cow <laughs> yeah, I remember he has have some kind of ranch or farm, right, where he kept all his cows and dogs and straight dogs and cats. Yeah, I hope they are all okay. Um, I heard he died of heart related attacks. Um, so yeah, I hope that his animals is, is happy. Of course, infamous when he yelled at Mind Joe. Of course, definitely. Yeah, he, he accused my former Taiwan member, your Mind Joe, of having something to do with the death of one of his cows. Definitely, yeah, and I also remember fondly that him, uh, in the sunflower movement protest, uh, raising a placard. That's finally about you know the sunflower movement, not about his cows and dogs. <laughs> anyway, that's where we we'll leave it here this week on Taiwan This Week, and I've been joined in the studio today by Xiao Xing Chang. Good night, everyone. And on the telephone from Taichung by Donovan Smith. Yeah, great to be back. And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcast on your favourite podcast app where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.